I invite you to keep your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 8 as I pray for us. Father, we uh, thank you for your word, for the gospel that shows us a gentle and loving Christ. I pray, Father, as we look at this passage, that our hearts would be softened, that our eyes would turn to him, that we would see the compassionate Savior who reaches out and touches us in our sin. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this past Thanksgiving, I was uh, graciously invited to the home of uh, someone I didn't really know that well. And uh, uh, as I pulled up to the place they live, I saw that it was this grand, sweeping, gated community with uh, these doors that read my license plate and the gates opened up. I'm driving through this gated community with their pristine lawns and these gorgeous palm trees and these wonderful houses, and I begin to feel nervous and very uh, uh, aware of myself. You know, I uh, was going there in my, uh, what I consider my uh, general air of, of frump. The, I don't really have a whole lot of dressy clothing. Um, my uh, uh, shoes are kind of in a, a bit of scuffiness right now. And I began to feel nervous. I began to feel self-aware. Because in my mind's eye, I was going as this uh, 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 frumpy-looking guy to have Thanksgiving among which must be, who must be high-class people because they live in such a nice gated community. And I had this desire to turn around and drive home because I was somewhat ashamed of what I looked like. Now, uh, I can tell you when I got into that home, I was welcomed. It was a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I was the one who was at fault there. Because I had judged these people, or I had I judged this situ, uh, situation by the surface. And they were very godly, loving, kind, and gracious people who welcomed me into their home. And I had an excellent Thanksgiving dinner. Now, why do I talk about this? Because there's oftentimes, I think, moments where we feel uh, a, a very self-aware Perhaps we feel that we can't come into someone's presence because they're above us or beyond us. Or we see our our shortcomings and we think, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that person's affection. And most oftentimes, one of the biggest ones is we see God in his holiness. We see his grandeur. And we think, I don't deserve his grace. And what this passage shows us is the heart of Christ to those unclean people like us who oftentimes are so aware of our uncleanliness and our undeservingness of God's grace. And the world tends to want to tell us, don't worry about it, you're you're not unworthy, you're valuable. God doesn't make trash. Uh, God loves you the way you are. But the reality of the gospel is this. We as sinners standing before God are not deserving of his grace. We're not deserving of his love. We're sinners. And as sinners, we are vile sinners in his presence. Yet God is gracious. Yet God, he sends his son Jesus to live in the world with vile sinners, to touch them, and to cleanse them of their sin. So as we look at this text, I want you to consider the heart of Christ towards sinners that is proclaimed here. Now, the first thing we see is this man, uh, he comes and bows himself before Jesus. The Greek word is proskuneo, which can also mean to worship. 
It is an expression of submission, of uh, honor and recognition of who Jesus is. You know, he, he bows before him in a way that you don't normally bow before people. He is showing that he recognizes that Christ is no mere teacher. He recognizes that Jesus is someone who is worthy of his, uh, uh, his uh, uh, proskuneo, his, uh, his lying himself out before Christ. Yet this isn't all we rec- he recognizes here. Well, first off, we also recognize that he didn't come to Christ with demands. He didn't say, cleanse me, Jesus, because you owe me. God made me sick in the first place, therefore he has the right to, he, I demand that he cleanses me. No, he recognizes that he did not deserve this. He didn't come with demands, but he also didn't come with a request. This man comes and bows himself before Jesus, and what does he say? He says, Jesus, you can make me well if you want. Here is also a profession of this man's knowledge of what Jesus is capable of doing. Perhaps he heard him, he saw him heal, he heard rumors of his healing before, and he thought, well, maybe I too can be healed by this Christ. So we see this man recognize Jesus's, uh, who he is, and he recognizes Jesus' ability. And the third important thing is, is he dares to come near Jesus. He, wouldn't, he didn't dare not to dare. He couldn't help but come towards Jesus. And why is this such an amazing thing in this account? Well, in the uh, uh, nation of Israel, uh, according to the Mosaic law, a leper was not allowed to do that. Uh, in the uh, ceremonial law of cleansing, one of the regulations were is that if you had a, one of the various skin ailments called leprosy, you were barred from access to God's covenant uh, uh, congregation. You couldn't come into the camp, as it were. You couldn't approach the temple. You had to stay outside the camp until you were clean, and you had been approved for re-entry by the high priest. Now, why is this? Uh, Was this done for the sake of the safety of the community so leprosy wouldn't spread? That's certainly a reason, but it is not the ultimate reason. And the ultimate reason of all the ceremonial law is to communicate the effects of sin and, the, uh, and separating a person from God's people and from God himself. You see, sin brought death into the world. And sin brought all those things associated with death ailment. And uh, leprosy, in particular, is a terrible disease where a person's body begins to rot. You can consider them like the walking dead. And so this, this disease is an expression of the effects of, skin, uh, the, the effects of sin marring the person before God and barring them from his presence. So the lepers had to stay outside of the community. And once their leprosy was healed, they had to go through some washings and a sacrifice, and, uh, um, and then they could come back into the community. So, but when a leper was uh, coming near to people, they had to cover their mouth and shout out, unclean, unclean so that the people knew to avoid them. So this man had probably lived that way for a while. And imagine living with uh, so far off from other human contact, and every time you saw a person, you had to shout out, unclean, unclean. Yet this man, in seeing Christ, he ventures to approach a crowd of people who probably were, were aghast at him, and he bows before Jesus and says, unclean, but you can make me clean. And what did Jesus do? 
Well, first off, what would your response have been? If a man or woman diseased with leper, stinking of rot, missing fingers and eyes, wrapped in bloody old bandages, came up to you, what would be your response? Would you be repulsed? I hardly can walk. I, I, I walk on uh, roads, uh, uh, sidewalks next to busy roads, and it is unfortunate that I have a tendency to have to step over roadkill sometimes. And I can barely look at it. It's disgusting. Even if it's fresh, I just kind of you know, have to inch my way around it because just the sight of it repulses me. Imagine that, though. A, and how did Jesus respond? Well, this is where we see the compassion and power of Christ. Jesus doesn't recoil from this man in his, in his dirtiness. He hears a man's confession, you can make me clean if you will it. And Jesus reaches out his hand. Can you imagine the gasp that must have went through the crowd at that point? As they see this hand reach out to touch a man who would make Jesus unclean for at least seven days, if not more. And Jesus doesn't just reach out his hand in a gesture, but he touches the man's leprous skin. And he says, I will be clean. Now, did Jesus need to touch him to heal him? No, he didn't. We've seen examples of Jesus healing someone from afar just by the word of his mouth. So why did Jesus touch him? He did this for several reasons. And I imagine, first off, I imagine that this is the first time this man had been touched in years. So this gentle uh, way of just ministering to this man by touching him in a kind and gracious way shows us Jesus' compassion not just to heal this man's sin, but to care for this man's soul and his heart. And along with this, we see a declaration. Christ is not the one who is made unclean. Jesus' purity is impenetrable. It is incorruptible. But his touch makes the dirty clean. And he showed this to the man, and he showed this to the people. I am not the one who defiles. I am the one who cleanses. And we see here also the heart of Christ in saying, I will be clean. Jesus desires the man to be clean. He doesn't just say, oh, if you want, okay, I guess so. He desires it. Jesus, who has every right to be repulsed by this man, Jesus, who has every right to say, no, this is what you deserve for your sin, he did not. He cleansed this man. And here we see the heart of Christ, the one who desires to cleanse the leper, to make them clean, to cleanse the sinner that comes to him. This is the heart of Christ, and not only the heart of Christ, but this is the heart of the Father, and this is the heart of the Holy Spirit. The desire that the lepers would come to them. The desire to touch them and make them clean. So this image we get sometimes of God as the uh, angry, standing off God who looks down on us frowning, that is not the image of Scripture. The image of the Bible is a gracious, kind God who judges sin, yes, because he is holy and righteous, 
but who calls the sinners to him to come and find your cleansing. This is a heart of the one who rejoices when a sinner comes to him and who will in no wise cast them out. And I want you to remember that statement, who will in no wise cast them out, because we're going to talk about that in a bit. Now, after he heals this man, uh, Jesus tells him to go show himself to the priest and to offer the required offerings. Um, Why does he do this? Well, Jesus does this for several reasons. Uh, First, uh, this is a way for his healing to be publicly and officially proclaimed. As the high priest uh, examines a man and sees a lack of leprosy on him and says this man has been cleansed, he will officially be able to uh, enter back into covenant community. Uh, And so instead of this man just walking back home and going to his house and saying, Honey, I'm home, and everyone being repulsed, he's a leper. Why is he here? He has the official notice from the high priest. This man has been cleansed. And this also declares the glory of God's grace as his, this man's cleansing is confirmed. Now, why did Jesus heal this man? Well, we just talked about a very big reason. We have here the gracious, compassionate heart of Christ, the heart of a healer, the heart of a God who loves sinners. But there's another reason. So so many of the people in Jesus' day focused on his cleansings, and that's all they wanted. We actually have a story of other lepers who came to Jesus uh, for cleansing, uh, ten lepers, and how many returned to him for thanksgiving? One. Uh, So there were those who will look to Jesus' healings and see only a temporal thing, a temporal blessing. And there's a danger there for us to look to God and only see a source of temporal blessings. But that is ultimately not what Christ came to give. Christ healed this man because Adam's sin made this disease exist. And Adam's sin brings something far more dangerous than just the disease of leprosy into the world. You see, Adam's sin, with all of the thorns and thistles and illnesses it brought into the world, also brought a great canker that exists in the hearts of all of us. We have inherited Adam's sin nature. And this, why is this the greatest danger? Well, as the psalmist says, uh, uh, who will ask the question, who will ascend into the hill of, of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. This is the only one who can enter into God's presence. And with the canker of sin in our hearts, the leprosy of sin spotting our, our, our souls, can we do that? No. So Jesus came healing. He healed this man to show us the greatest gift, that, the greatest power of Christ, which is to heal sin, to take away that disease that of rot of the soul that bars us from God's presence. Jesus is the only one who can do this. Your own deeds cannot forgive you. Your own deeds cannot cover over your sin. There is no good enough for heaven. Being a member of the church cannot forgive you. You cannot find forgiveness of sin just by having your name in the rosters. Only Christ can do that. Your own bravado will not save you. I hear so many people say, well, I'm certainly going to hell. Well, congratulations. Why are you so bold about that? 
That is, the bravado will not impress God on the last day. But only Christ can save you. Only Christ can purify the filth of sin. And this is because he is a perfect son of God and son of man. God incarnate in the human flesh, who did not deserve to die, who never sinned once against God, who was the spotless, sinless lamb of God, yet who died on the cross, taking the judgment of God in the place of the dirty sinner, and who lived a perfect life so that we who have not can have that righteousness as our own. And therefore, we can be forgiven and stand in God's presence as justified sons forever. That is why Jesus healed this man, to teach us this. And again, to show us that the heart of Jesus is the one who will not cast anyone out who comes to him in faith. So do you see yourself as a too great of a sinner to be forgiven by him? Do you see yourself or another as a lost cause? John Bunyan, the uh, famous writer of Pilgrim's Progress, has a very effective sermon that I highly recommend where he talks about this passage, I will in no wise cast anyone out. And this is his quote. For this word in no wise cuts the throat of all objections. And it was dropped by the Lord Jesus for that very end, and to help the faith that is mixed with unbelief. And it is, as it were, the sum of all promises. Neither can any objection be made upon the unworthiness that you find in yourself. That is promise that this promise of God will not absolve. And then Bunyan, in his fashion, he has this discussion between Christ and the objecting sinner, when he says this, but I am a greater sinner, says you. I will in no wise cast you out, says Christ. But I am an old sinner, says you. I will in no wise cast you out, says Christ. But I am a hard-hearted sinner, says you. I will in no wise cast you out, says Christ. But I have, am a backsliding sinner, says you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have served Satan all my days, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against light, says you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have sinned against mercy, says you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have no good thing to bring with me, says you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. This promise was provided to answer all objections and does answer them. So in light of this description of Christ, what are you going to do in response? For the first thing I want to exhort to you is to not, don't, do not dare not to dare, as Aslan put it. Don't dare to not respond to this call to faith in Christ. Do not stand back for a minute waiting for yourself to be, for you to see yourself as worthy, because you never will. As the song says, if you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. So come to Christ. He will make you clean. He wills it.
And the second thing is to see the beauty of the glory of God's grace, to behold it and to love it and cherish it. Uh, What this will do is cause you to hate the sin that has separated you from this grace. And that is the necessary response to grace, is to hate that sin for which you've been forgiven. I immediately thought about a quote from a movie. It's not a great movie. It's a movie called As Good As It Gets. But there's this one scene where uh, uh, the main female character says to the man, because she's fed up with him, he says, she says, I need a compliment. I need you to compliment me. And he begins to tell her a story about how he started taking a medication that he refused to take for years. And she's like, well, what's the point of this? And he said, you make me want to be a better man. And that is what the grace of God should do for us. Make us want to be a better person. Make us want to leave behind that sin that so stained us and kept us away from this God because he has saved us and made us his and he loved us and now we want to love him in return and therefore we want to live behind all of that which is repulsive to him. Not in order to earn our salvation but because he has given it to us. So see the glory of the beauty of Christ. See the glory of the beauty of God. And thirdly, how should the Christian respond to this who has received this grace? Well, do we have the right to look down our nose to any, at anyone else who is struggling with sin? Do we have the right of those who has received God's grace to think that that person doesn't deserve my attention, my affection, my forgiveness? They're not the right kind of people. We don't want that kind of person in our church. No, we have no right. But we have here a great motivation to follow in the footsteps of Christ and to show the same kind of grace and forgiveness and love that he has shown to us. That is what he calls us to do. So are you sitting here today uh, listening to this and have you been uh, held down by your sin? Have you seen yourself as unworthy of God's grace? Well, come to Christ. Do you need a refreshment in, of, of a reminder of the grace of God in Christ? Well, uh, turn to him today and thank him for the grace he has shown you. Do you need to forgive others and show more grace? Well, remember the grace of Christ to you and pour out the love that he has given you onto others. He is gentle and compassionate. He is the lowly Savior who calls all to him, and he promises that he will no wise cast anyone out. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we tremble with joy and rejoice at these, this, this story, at this account of the life of our Savior, in which we see his gracious, compassionate love reaching out to dirty sinners and touching them and making them clean. Lord, help us to never uh, keep from coming to Christ. Help us never to shy away from him. But even in our wretchedness and our sin, may we come to him in faith, knowing that he will forgive those who come to him in faith and he will nowise cast them out. I pray this all in Christ's precious name. Amen.